and welcome back to Have You Seen It? I'm Maggie, and in this episode, I have a comedy from Spain to tell you about. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so once again, I hope you guys are all doing okay during this time. I still have to go into work, so my day-to-day life hasn't changed at all, yet it feels like it has, so... I can't imagine how hard it must be for those of you who are forced to stay home. Hopefully you're one of the lucky ones that's still able to work from home. If you're not, then hopefully people start following the stay-at-home orders so that this can pass by quicker and you can get back to work yourself. Now, today's episode is about the Spanish show The Neighbor, which is El Vecino in Spanish. It is a Netflix original that was created by Miguel Esteban and Raul Navarro. And it is a Zeta audiovisual production. There is only one season so far, and there are 10 episodes. They're all about 25, 33 minutes long. So it's a good show to binge in one go. It's based on a series of graphic novels by the same name El Vecino, not the neighbor, it's in Spanish. But they were written by Santiago Garcia and Pepo Perez. And I believe the show takes place in Madrid. And if it's not in the city of Madrid, then it is in the surrounding area, because one of the characters is called a Madrid journalist. But Madrid is pretty much in the dead center of Spain. It is in the autonomous community of Community of Madrid, which I would say is as close to a state without actually being a state. But to be honest, I tried so hard to understand how the Spanish government works and exactly what an autonomous community actually is and what powers they have and it just made my head hurt if you know how to explain it in the most dumbed down way possible please tell me because now i really want to know but spain is located on the iberian peninsula which is in the southwestern part of europe spain is bordered by portugal to the west france to the northeast and if you remember from the episode about the korean show vagabond Spain is separated from Morocco in the north of Africa by the Strait of Gibraltar to the south. It's a nine-hour car ride from Madrid to Tangier, Morocco, which is the part of Morocco where Vagabond takes place. And it's only about a six-hour drive to Lisbon, which is also where some scenes in Vagabond take place. I say only. That's still a long car ride, but it's just about the same distance as Boston to Baltimore. Anyways. Some fun facts about Madrid are it is now the second biggest city in the European Union with a population of about 3.1 million people. With the UK leaving, it is now only behind Berlin, which has a population of 3.6 million. Madrid was founded around 860 AC by Muhammad I, who was the ruler of the Emirate of Cordoba. And an Emirate is an area that is ruled by a dynastic Arabic or Islamic monarch-styled emir, which is just another word for king, but it was in the area of Madrid on the Manzanares River that Muhammad I built a small castle, and Manzanares means apple orchards, if you're wondering. The current king of Spain, King Philip VI, does not live in the royal palace in Madrid, so if you go there and visit, just know that he and his family live in the palace of Zarzuela, which is on the outskirts of the city, and I guess he and his wife and their two daughters don't actually live in the palace, but in one of the mansions on the property. Like, how many mansions you got, bro? But his parents, the former king of Spain, Juan Carlos I, and Princess Sofia of Greece and Denmark, the former queen consort of Spain, live in the palace itself. So, you know, 
taking care of his parents, making sure that they live better than he does. Shout out King Philip. Another fun fact about the royal family, King Philip VI's daughter, Leonor, Princess of Asturias, is the heir presumptive to the throne of Spain, and if she does ascend to the throne, she will be the first Spanish queen regnant since Isabella II, who became queen in 1833 at the age of three. And as of now, it's been over 150 years since a queen regnant ruled Spain. And considering Leona is only 14 years old and her father is in good health, I don't see her becoming queen anytime soon, but who knows? Also, if her parents have another child, which at the ages of 52 and 47, I do not see that happening. But if they did, and that baby was a boy, he would become the heir apparent and gain the title of Prince of Asturias. And Leonard would become Infanta Leonard of Spain. And I don't know how you guys feel about royal families, but I think it's cool that Leonard, Princess of Asturias, might be the first queen regnant of Spain in such a long time. But the last fun fact I will give you is that the oldest restaurant in the world is in Madrid. Sabrino de Botín opened in 1725, and that means nephew of booty. But like pirate booty, not like butt booty. But I still think that's a great name. Sabrino de Botín, nephew of booty. Uh, and a bonus fun fact is that the fire oven in Sobrino de Botin has never been extinguished. That's 295 years of continuous flames. That's crazy. Also, do you think, like, that there was, like, one teenage kid who accidentally let it go out and then, like, the next day was like, Yeah, no, it's it's been going all night long, I swear. I promise. It, it didn't go out. But I'm sure the day that flame goes out officially goes out it'll be a very sad day for all of spain not just madrid but the show is in spanish obviously netflix says it's european spanish which i think has more to do with the pronunciation of some words than just the difference in slang words but i'll go over that a little bit later and explain what i mean when i say the difference in pronunciation there are no audio alternatives for the show but the subtitles are available in english french traditional Chinese, simplified Chinese, and closed caption European Spanish. This show is rated TVMA, and some disclaimers for this show are there is swearing, sex scenes, some nudity, drug usage, and I don't know if it's really a disclaimer, but if you have a weak stomach and seeing broken bones makes you sick, like me, just know that they show limbs bending the wrong way in this show and it caught me completely off guard so at least i'm giving you somewhat of a heads up the links to all the websites where i got the information for this show the fun facts and any other information that i did not use my memory for are going to be linked in the description of this episode as well as in the caption for the post that i made for the show on instagram Okay, so this cast is one of the smallest casts of any show I've done. There are only four main characters. And the way this show is set up, I can't really go into much detail because every episode is dealing with something else while Javier is trying to keep the fact that he is now a superhero a secret for mostly everyone, but especially his ex-girlfriend Lola. Now before I get into who Javier and Lola and everyone else are, the description of the show is self-centered Javier's life gets a bit messy when he unexpectedly becomes a superhero, and his recent ex is tasked with uncovering his identity. So at the very beginning of this show, 
Javier, who's played by Kim Gutierrez, and Lola, who's played by Clara Lago, are actually dating. But as the description says, Javier is very self-centered, and he doesn't care about anything or anyone really other than himself. And after being woken up super early by the alarm on her phone, Lola is trying to tell him about a new story she wants to work on at work, and he's kind of blowing her off. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, that's cool, yeah, cool, you know, the whole time he's looking at his phone. And then he tells her that her story is cool, but what she should do is interview him about his t-shirt business, and she's like, really? Again? And when he asks her when she's going to do the interview, she just kind of like turns around and is like, don't you have work? And he's like, yeah, but his boss, Adolfo, who's played by Anibal Gomez, is not there, so he's supposed to be the one to open the bar. And then he decides that the bar, which is not like a bar, like you're thinking a bar. It's more like a lunch spot type bar, like a cafe more than a bar. But he decides that he's going to open later than usual. And Lola's like, that's not how life works. And he's like, eh, why not? Adolfo isn't here. He wants, He's not going to find out about it. And Lola's reaction is probably the same one that most of you are having. She just shakes her head and walks away like unbelievable. And then we see Javier finally leaving to go and open the bar. And he overhears Lola on the phone talking about how selfish he is. And the fact that he brought up his t-shirts when she was telling him about the story she was really excited to write about. And he's kind of like, I don't know, he's not mad or anything like that. But it, you can tell him that it like affected him in some way. But he just walks away. And then when he gets to the bar, which I think there's like a scene or two in between. But when he gets to the bar, Adolfo is there. And Javier comes up with some excuse about why he is late, saying that he was stuck on the train for 40 minutes because someone threw themselves in front of it. And a side note, that actually did happen to me and my brother once. We were going into Boston for a comedy show, I believe, and everyone was complaining that it was taking forever for the train to move. I say everyone. I think it was really just me that was like verbalizing, like everyone else was annoyed and they were like making faces but they weren't saying anything and then we checked twitter and it was like oh someone got hit by the train my bad but anyways javier was lying which he does a lot of and then he asks adolfo why he wasn't going away and adolfo tells him that his cousin died so he couldn't go and unlike a normal person that would say how sorry they were to hear that and mean it, Javier says something about, oh, well, you didn't see the body, look at me, and like shows how his hand is shaking, like, I don't know, to prove that his story's right or something like that. But Adolfo says some sarcastic line about how Javier is super sensitive, and then he talks about how he won't be able to go out to the country the way he was planning to, and Javier, who's half listening at this point, because again, he's looking at his phone, asks if he can get a refund and Adolfo says he doesn't think so and this is when Javier gets the brilliant idea that he's going to prove to Lola that he is not selfish and that he doesn't only just think about himself by convincing Adolfo to let him go on the trip that way Adolfo's money doesn't go to waste he really is a great guy isn't he what a gem now during Lola's quest to find some material to write about to show her boss that her story idea that I mentioned earlier is a good idea. We meet some of the people that live in Javier's apartment building. 
and some of them do pop up every once in a while. I don't think all of their names are necessary. I will mention one in a little bit. But after that, we meet Yulia, who is played by Catalina Sopelana. And she is not just friends with Lola, but also lives right next door to Javier. And they're talking about some of the conversations that she had with some of the neighbors. And while they're talking, Javier comes over and tells Lola that they are going away for the weekend so that they can reconnect with each other and with nature, which is like, ugh. And when he tells her where they're going, Cuenca, which is a medieval town that is known for what's called hanging houses. They are houses that are built legit right on the edge of a cliff. Go and Google Cuenca, Spain. It's spelled C-U-E-N-C-A. Look at the pictures of these houses because I wouldn't be able to walk out on those balconies at all. But it's about a two-hour drive outside of Madrid, and Lola is confused as to why he chose that place. And he gives some bullshit line about it's where dreams come true or something. And she isn't really sure about it. She's definitely hesitant. And when you see the creepy-looking house that they pull up to... You kind of understand why. There is no way that I would enter that house. I would be sleeping in the car. 100% sleeping in the car. But during this stay in the house from a horror film, Javier and Lola get into an awkward situation. And I don't want to tell you exactly why or what happens to lead to it. I can't ruin everything. But it is at this house that Javier becomes a superhero. And I will let you watch that moment on your own. Now, while Javier and Lola's story is going on, we also meet Jose Ramon, who is played by Adrian Pino. He is a 25-year-old college student who moves in with Yulia after the guy he was renting a room from was a weirdo. Which again, I'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. But we first meet him pretty early on in the episode, and he's working as a driver for a rideshare app, so like Uber or Lyft. They don't say which one, but it's like one of those. He starts his day super positive and he's trying to be nice and he's talking to the people in his car and it's like, is it better if we do talk? Is it better if we don't talk? I'll start. And that's when he like explains who he is, but they're all like just ignoring him. And then one of the passengers, a younger guy asks if he can play his music through the car's Bluetooth and Jose Ramon says, yes, trying to be a super nice guy. Well, he's not trying to be a super nice guy. He just is a super nice guy. And then the guy turns his music on and blasts it. And he's just like, oh my God, like it's so loud. And then at the end of his day, he is sitting in his car that has been trashed and has food and literally trash all over it, looking completely broken. Which, like, side note, if that's how you leave, like, an Uber car or a Lyft car, you're an asshole. Okay? Take your trash with you. But he then goes up to the apartment where he is renting the room from. And it's one of the guys that Lola talked to earlier in the day, Camelo who is played by Dennis Gomez. And he looks like the actor Kirk Fox a little bit. I know him mainly because he plays Kurt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But he also played Joe, the sewage guy in Parks and Rec. And he was in a bunch of other things, but like those are the only two things that I know him from. But I'm sure that all of you know who this guy is. And that's who Camelo looks like. But anyways, Camelo is this creepy, weird drug dealer who just doesn't seem to go away in the show. Like, every time you think his part is done, he pops up again. But the room that Jose Ramon is renting is a closet and, like, a makeshift bed. Like, it's not a room at all. And he doesn't last there long. Think, like, the next day, he's like, I'm out. Give me my deposit back. 
though he doesn't say it that forcefully. And as he's moving out, he runs into Lola, who, you know, they, well, I'm sorry, like, do you need help bring your stuff down? And he's like, no, I mean, yes, I mean, I'm sorry, like, I just had a really rough day. And he kind of is like, whatever. And she's like, oh, do you need somewhere to live? And then she brings Jose Ramon up to Yulia, who is looking for a new roommate because her roommate at the beginning tried to, well, I'll let you find out on your own what he tried to do, but Jose Ramon decides to live with Yulia because it's one, a real room with a real bed, and two, he really has no other option. Now, the rest of the show is Javier, not only trying to figure out how to control the new powers he has, but also how to keep the fact that he has them from Lola. The only other person that knows he has these powers is poor Jose Ramon, who really only wants to focus on his studies, and he keeps getting interrupted by the craziness around him. And at first, Javier wants to tell everyone that Titan, which is the name he gives himself, and it's just Titan, but Titan is how they say it. He, he wants the world to know that it's him, and Jose Ramon tells him that he can't do that, and there's a reason superheroes have disguises. And then Jose Ramon helps Javier out in so many situations. I will let you watch those on your own. But Jose Ramon is also dealing with the fact that he is, one, trying to hide that he is now living with a woman, which was not the initial plan when he moved to Madrid, but also that he isn't getting any of his studying done from his girlfriend Alicia, who is played by Paola Malia. She lives back in his hometown, and they really communicate through, like, text and everything. And he's so afraid of, like, disappointing her that he's just ignoring her. Which leads to probably his biggest issue is the fact that he feels like he's not being honest with her. Which, like, he's not, but poor Jose Ramon. Lola, who is worried about losing her job, is tasked with a new story that isn't exactly what she wants to be writing about. And is more being forced to by her boss. And she's joined by a new co-worker, Robert, who is played by Sergio Momo. And he is there to help her write this new story and uncover the details for it. And Yulia is trying to create her own form of justice, and she does so in her own way. And that's really the only way I can describe that, because you're just, you're gonna have to. She is quite a character. For my likes and dislikes, I will say that I found this show pretty funny. It wasn't the funniest show I've watched, but I did think some of the scenes were legitimately funny, and they did actually make me laugh out loud. I also like that it's about a superhero, and it's not super serious. Javier doesn't know how to control his new powers, and you see him struggling with them, which adds to the humor, in my opinion. If you like shows or movies about superheroes, I am positive you will enjoy this show. My favorite thing about the show was Jose Ramon. The poor kid just wants to study for his exam, but he is the nicest guy in the world and helps Javier anyways. Like, you will fall in love with Jose Ramon, I promise. As far as dislikes about this show, there were really only two things that I didn't like. One was, once again, they show somebody throwing up. Why? That is something I will never get used to, and probably will mention every single time. And the other one was one that I mentioned in the disclaimers part, which is them showing Javier breaking his leg and wrist, and ugh, I hate that kind of stuff. And those videos that pop up on shows like Ridiculousness, where people break their bones, gross me out, and I can't watch them. So I had to look away during some of the scenes because it made my wrist hurt. But overall, there wasn't anything else that I didn't like. So the next part is things that stood out to me while I was watching the show. The main one was the accent. Well, it's more like the pronunciation. 
I did notice a difference in the accent overall, but let's talk about the pronunciation differences that most basic Spanish speakers will pick up on, and even those of you that don't speak Spanish will probably notice as well. So for those of you that don't know, I mentioned at the beginning that they call it European Spanish. In Spain, they speak Castilian Spanish. So European Spanish, yeah, but Castilian Spanish is like what it's actually called. For the most part, what that means is that they practice the linguistic terms of ceseo, spelt C-E-C-E-O, and distinction, spelt D-I-S-T-I-N-C-I-O-N. The O has an accent on it, which makes it distinction. The emphasis is on the O at the end. Now, ceseo is when they pronounce the letters S and Z, no matter where they are in the word. And C's, when they are followed by the letter E or I, otherwise known as a soft C, as like in the word thing and not then. Apparently those are two different pronunciations of the letters TH. Never realized that before, but anyways. Based on that, ceseo would be pronounced as ceseo in most of Spain, which is how I will pronounce it from here on out for a reason which I will get to in a minute. Distinción means that they pronounce the letter S like we do in English, but the Z's and soft C's are pronounced like so there's a distinction between S and the Z's and C's, which is what distinction means. If you didn't pick up on that, distinction is distinction. Now, most of Spain uses distinction. There are some regions in the south of Spain, like around Cadiz, that use ceceo. But for the most part, it's distinction. Other than some different areas in the south that use ceceo, spelled S-E-S-E-O, which I will talk about why that kind of matters in a minute. But now do you see why I'm going with Ceseo and Ceseo? Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, just think if you've ever heard someone speak Spanish in a TV show on the street, on a subway, and it sounds like they have a lisp. You can get mad at me for saying that all you want, but it does. I know it's not a lisp, but it does sound like it. And the word Ceseo translates to mean lisp in English. I don't know who came up with it. I don't know where it's from. Look it up. That's what it says. However, chances are that that individual is from Spain and that they don't actually have a lisp. Most of us here in the U.S. are used to Latin American accents, which is similar to the Seville accent in Spain. And one reason that might be is because that's where the main shipping port to the Americas was located. So most of the Spaniards that went to South and Central America, as well as the Caribbean and Mexico, were from the region that Seville is in, Andalusia, who speak following the linguistic term ceseo, which just means they pronounce all three letters like an English S. So if you're like me and always wondered why there was a difference between Latin America and Spain, that is the most basic answer for it. There are plenty of YouTube videos that explain it in much more details if you are interested. Let's carry on. Now, one way to show the difference between Castilian Spanish and Latin American Spanish, besides just using the words ceseo and ceseo, because that's just a little too easy, is using the Spanish words for house and hunting, casa and casa. Now, I know you didn't hear a difference because I pronounce them the way that they do in Latin America, because that's how I was taught Spanish growing up for the most part, so using the ceseo pronunciation. But if I said them using the distinción pronunciation, you can tell the difference between the words very easily. 
So the word for house is casa, spelled C-A-S-A, and the word for hunting is caza, spelled C-A-Z-A. Now in Saseo, they would again be the same, caza y caza, but that's why I went with distinction. Another good example is the word for thank you. So I would say gracias. Most people in Spain would say gracias. Another one is the word for blue. I would say azul. Most of people in Spain would say azul. It's kind of like how we say the letter H, like that, H, and British people say H. So we say HQ, they say HQ. So it's a difference of pronunciation and not a speech impediment. Before I go on to the next thing that stood out, there is an urban legend that the reason Spaniards speak with that pronunciation is because King Fernandad had a lisp. And whether it was because he forced them or because they were making fun of him or they wanted to sound more regal, the entire country spoke with one as well. And I have to admit, I believed this. There are a lot of people that believe that this is true. I wish it was, but the differences in pronunciations come from medieval Spain, where there were four different pronunciations that were all very similar and they confused people. So most of Spain brought it down to two, the S and the th sound, and other parts brought it down to just the S sound and other parts did just the th sound. But most of Spain has the two S and th. Now, if you're wondering, how that urban legend fits into the whole story of Latin America and Spain. I've read a couple different ones. One of them said that the people in Latin America didn't like the sound of it, so they didn't stick with it. And there was another one that he came into power after they'd already brought in the language to Latin America, which is not true because King Fernandez was king when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. So that's the urban legend. A lot of people believed it. It's not true. I should also mention that Barcelona is pronounced both Barcelona and Barcelona. So in most of Spain, it's Barcelona, but in Catalan, which is one of the main languages of that region, it is Barcelona. So I made a joke about saying Barcelona and how you can like only say that if you've actually been there, but it legit doesn't matter how you say it. it I still think it's a funny joke, but it doesn't matter. If you go to Spain and speak with a Seville or Latin American pronunciation of these letters, the rest of Spain will know what you're saying, obviously, it's the same language, but like with the words casa and casa, or casa and caza, there might be some confusion, but context is everything, and I'm sure they will be able to figure out that you are going to your house after the gym and not going out for a hunt. Unless you are actually going out for a hunt, in which case I hope you use every part of that animal and you are not doing it for sport. Anyways, hopefully you learned something about Spanish pronunciation. I know I definitely did. Like I said, I thought it was the whole king story, which I really, the bottom of my heart, I really want that to be true. Because that to me is just such a ridiculous story. But enough pronunciation lessons. Let's move on. Some other things I noticed while watching the show. One is that the show makes a reference to another Spanish show, Money Heist, that is on Netflix. They talk about a mask that's used in that show. Now, I have not seen that show, full disclosure, but there was about two months where every time I opened Netflix, it was the first show to pop up. So I did, in fact, recognize the mask, even though I haven't seen the actual show. I also noticed that they don't text. They send voice notes. And I don't know if that's just because it's easier than having the text popped up on the screen or because they actually do that, but I thought it was very strange. 
It could be because they don't have unlimited texting like we do, but I thought they used WhatsApp to get around that. But if you know the actual answer to that, please let me know, because I would not like that. I barely like texting people. I do not want to send you a voice recording of my voice being like, LOL. Like, nah, it just, no thanks. There's also a scene where Lola is talking to Yulia about her followers on social media, or lack thereof. And she is looking at her phone, but it's upside down in her hand. It's an iPhone, you can tell because the camera is not where it should be. The only good thing is that when she puts it back in her pocket, it's the same way. So it's no, like, continuity error or anything like that. She's just straight up looking at the phone the wrong way. So I don't know if that was, like, purposely put in as, like, a haha joke or if they were just like, you know what, we'll just stick with it, I guess. Those are the things that stood out to me. If anything stands out to you guys while you were watching the show, then please let me know on Twitter. So now for some words and phrases, I was so happy that I was able to pick up some slang while watching this show because slang is my favorite thing to learn. And by the way, they are all slang, technically. The first one that I picked up was the word hostia, which literally means host as in communion at church, as in that dry cardboard bread you eat that represents the body of Christ. But it's used to mean shit or holy shit. And it's spelled H-O-S-T-I-A. And it's a bit of Spanglish, so it should be easy for some of you guys to remember as well. Hostia. Hostia. Holy shit. The next word is gilipollas, spelled G-I-L-I-P-O-L-L-A-S. And it actually has a lot of different meanings. In the show, it was translated as dumbass and jerk. But it can also mean asshole, idiot, shithead, dickhead, douchebag, ass, wanker. It's a one-size-fits-all kind of word. And it's Spain's version of the word cabron, which is popular in most Latin American countries to basically mean the same thing. Again, gilipollas. A good example of common words used to mean something else are the words tío and tía, which in Spanish means uncle and aunt. Tío is uncle. Tia is aunt. But in Spain, they use them to mean buddy or pal. You usually use them with close friends. I was not aware of this, so I was confused why Adolfo calls Javier Tio and why Lola and Julia were constantly calling each other Tia. Because to me, those words just mean uncle and aunt. So I was just like, what? Why are they calling each other aunt and uncle? Is Javier his uncle? Are Lola and Yulia related? And then while looking up some of the other words on here, I saw that tío and tía were Spanish slang used in Spain, which made a lot more sense than Javier being Adolfo's uncle. But tío is spelled T-I-O, and tía is spelled T-I-A, and the I has an accent on it in both of those words. Tío and tía. Uncle, aunt, slang for buddy or pal. The next word is the word for fuck which is joder, J-O-D-E-R. It is technically a verb, which you can tell by the fact that it ends in E-R. All Spanish verbs end with either A-R, E-R, or I-R. But this word is often used as an interjection, which I believe is the correct grammatical term, but you can use it to mean to have sexual intercourse with, to joke with, to mess with, or hurt, to annoy. There are a lot of different ways to use it. If you wanted to say, I screwed myself, it would be me jodi, which is M-E space J-O-D-I. And the I has an accent, 
which is important because it's a past tense use of the verb joder, er, past tense. For the yo form, which is the I form, goes to I with an accent. There's just so much grammar in this episode. Let's just keep moving on. In the show, they say joder in its entirety. J-O-D-E-R. And it's the most common way to say fuck, but it's like, oh fuck. Right? So it's like, oh, joder. The next word and final grammar lesson is coño, which is spelled C-O-N-O. The N has a tilde over it, which is the little squiggly line. And it changes not just the sound of the N from cono to coño. It also changes the meaning of the word from cone to fuck. Which is why the placement of accent marks and making sure you are pronouncing them the correct way is so important. And it's why I try to say words as correctly as I possibly can. Because one single accent mark is the difference between standing in front of a classroom and saying that you are 17 years old or saying that you have 17 anuses. Which if you do, you should probably go see a doctor. But coño is another slang term that has to do with female genitalia. I feel like that's going to be a common theme from here on out. But the difference between joder and coño is that coño is typically just used as an interjection. Most commonly fuck but it can also be used as damn, shit, and man. Not as in a male human, but like, man, it's cold, or man, it's hot. So, coño que frío, or coño que calor. It's most popular in Spain, but it is used in parts of the Caribbean and some Latin American countries as well. Um, but it is also used in this show as its, I guess, true meaning, coño, which, like I said, is slang for vagina. But... For the most part, coño means fuck. So remember, coño que frío. Man, it's cold. The last one I'll mention is the phrase que gue, which means how cool or so cool. And as far as I could tell online, it's only used in Spain. It's spelled Q-U-E space G-U-A-Y, which is similar to the word way, which I told you guys about back in the episode about the Mexican show Club de Cuervos. They're spelt similar, the big difference is obviously how you pronounce them. But if you were to look at them, it could get confusing. So, way is spelled G-U-E-Y, and the U has the two dots above it, and it means dude. And guay, again, is spelled G-U-A-Y, no accents or anything on it, and it means cool. So, kigwe, how cool. So again, I'll say them all. Hostia, gilipollas, tío, tía, joder, coño, and... Like I said, I was super happy that I was able to pick up more slang words because, again, slang is my favorite thing to learn. If you guys pick up any words while watching the show, then definitely let me know on Twitter. As far as any familiar faces, I didn't recognize any of the actors. If you guys did, then I would love to know how and where you recognize them from. I do know some people that have watched some Spanish shows, so if you guys recognize them, let me know. And I'll give those shows a try. But that's it for this week's Spanish grammar lesson. I hope you learned something about the Spanish language. I also hope that you go and give the show a chance. Seriously, if you are looking for anything to do while being stuck at home, this show is easy to binge. The episodes go by real quick. For me, there was no drag. There was no ugh. It was just boom, boom, boom. Watched all the episodes like in one day. If you like superheroes, then I'm sure you will like this show. It was funny and I really did enjoy it. Was it my favorite show? 
No. But if they do come out with a second season, which there's no news about as of yet, I will definitely watch it. It does end in a way that definitely leads to a second season being a possibility. And as soon as I find out any news, I will let you guys know. Seriously though, if the grammar lesson was too much, I do apologize. It's just besides English, Spanish is the only language where I can teach people about things like the importance of accents and why you need to pronounce words the right way because I actually understand the rules of the language for the most part. I'm not an expert. I'm also not an expert in English, so don't come at me. But I started learning Spanish in first grade or kindergarten with Señor Amadeo, so literally since I was like five or six, I've been learning Spanish. So I understand why those things are important, which is also why I try so hard to say the words the right way in the languages that I'm speaking for the show. And it's why I say the words like with the accent of the language. I'm not trying to be offensive or anything. I'm trying to avoid saying something embarrassing because one accent changes the sentence completely. So earlier I was talking about a person that had 17 anuses versus someone that's 17 years old. The sentences are literally exactly the same except for one single accent mark. The tilde over the word años, which means years, and anos, which means anuses. So yo tengo 17 años is I am 17 years old. And yo tengo 17 años means I have 17 anuses which did happen in a Spanish class. Thank God not to me. So remember, it's okay to be 17 years old. It is not okay to have 17 anuses. Seriously, go see a doctor. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at officialhysi. Also go and check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash officialhysi. Thank you guys again for listening to this week's episode. I hope you are all safe and staying home if you can. Don't forget to wash your hands and don't touch your face. Next episode, I will be talking about the Thai romantic comedy, Bangkok Bachelors. Have you seen it? Because I have.